the Helena City Commission considers diverting nearly $300,000 from the city's police budget. We'll take an in-depth look at that story, and we'll give you a rundown of other recent important headlines here from the Helena area. I'm digital editor and host, Eric Seidel, and this is the Above the Fold podcast. Let's start with the rundown of headlines. On July 1st, Nolan Lister reports that officials warned Lewis and Clark County to follow health guidelines or face restrictions. Local politicians, healthcare professionals, and public health employees gave residents of Lewis and Clark County an ultimatum during a joint press conference on Wednesday. The message was clear. In short, follow public health guidelines or face the potential of another round of COVID-19-related restrictions, possibly even a second shelter-in-place mandate. County Commission Chairwoman Susan Goodgacy, Helena Mayor Wilmot Collins, Communicable Disease Division Administrator Eric Merchant, and Public Health Officer Trenda Neiman were among those who spoke at the event. They urged organizers to cancel events or at very least keep them below 50 attendees. They also pleaded with every county resident to maintain a six feet distance of separation and to wear a mask while in public places. However, they stopped short of issuing any kind of mandate. Susan Gugasi couldn't make the message any more clear. This event today is to implore, encourage, request in the strongest possible terms that people do what is responsible and what is right voluntarily. No one wants to go to a mandate, but the mandate of any government, job one, is public safety. We hope we don't need to get to mandate. This is your last chance. And that's where we are today. Health officer Drenda Neiman said her office does consider the economic effects of its mandates, which is why officials are hoping residents will take responsibility. She said large events are of a particular concern and that the public health office offers guidance and help implementing strategies for keeping event attendees properly spaced. Despite the state reaching its highest rate of infection since the pandemic began, Lewis and Clark County Health Disease Division Administrator Eric Merchant said he does not feel as though the county needs to take a step backward in its phased reopening. And in a quick follow-up to that last story, just six days later, Lewis and Clark County health officials crack down on large events and cancel a private prom. On July 7th, the Independent Record reports that a private prom that had been scheduled was now canceled and a myriad of other local events are now up in the air after Lewis and Clark County Public Health issued an order limiting gatherings and events to no more than 250 people in an effort to prevent the spread of COVID-19. Later, a large softball tournament to take place here in Helena was also canceled. The health department cited state law as giving it the authority to cancel the events and prosecute organizers and any attendees. And on a lighter note, this one goes back to June 29th and comes via a Yellowstone National Park press release. A California woman was gored several times by a bison on June 25th in Yellowstone National Park after apparently approaching the animal to take its photo. The 72-year-old woman walked within 10 feet of the bison several times near her campsite at the Bridge Bay campground, according to the park's news release. A reminder that park regulations do ask our visitors to stay 25 yards away from bison and elk. The series of events that led to the goring suggests the bison was threatened by being repeatedly approached within 10 feet, said Chris Germina, Yellowstone's senior bison biologist. He wants to remind tourists that bison are wild animals that respond to threats by displaying aggressive behaviors. 
And in our final headline, Montana Governor Steve Bullock orders statewide mask usage. On Wednesday, July 15th, Holly Michaels reports that Governor Steve Bullock issued a statewide order requiring the use of face covering in some settings to slow the spread of the novel coronavirus. While Bullock hoped people would acknowledge the science that masks can prevent the spread of the virus, he said not enough are taking precautions. Bullock called the masks a modest imposition that can save lives and help keep the economy open. The order is effective immediately and applies to the counties with four or more active coronavirus cases. It will expire at the end of the statewide declaration of emergency. About two dozen counties out of the state's 56 had four more cases as of Wednesday. I'm here with the City Beat reporter, Nolan Lister. Nolan, our, our feature story is the possible defunding of some of the Helena Police Department's personnel budget. You were there with me in May at the largest gathering here at the Montana Capitol, and it definitely feels like the climate around funding police, not only here in Helena, but nationally, has changed. Definitely. And, I, you know, I think I think those citizens that participated in the protests were more in tune to the larger conversation. And when they start hearing other communities coming up with these ideas for more creatively, uh, more equitably policing themselves, they decided that they could apply those things to, to Helena as well. And specifically, the reason why this particular issue came up on City Commission's radar is that unlike many other areas and cities in Montana, Helena actually is the one funding the school resource officers here within our schools. Oftentimes, that is the school's responsibility. Yeah, Helena's unique in that it pays a lot of money to its school district to staff these Helena police officers uh, in the schools. They spend nearly $300,000 doing it. Last summer, during their previous uh, budget talks in 2019, that was a, an item of contention that the, it was kind of a financial burden to the city to have to continue funding this this program. So they've been wanting to look at this relationship a little more closely. I think there is appetite in within the commission to to get this item off the books. City Commissioner Heather O'Laughlin specifically referenced their uh, almost $700,000 deficit they're looking at, talking about a reduction of the police department's budget as well. So that's why this specific item seems to be on the city commission's radar. Do we know what sort of led to this? What what could have led to this, the city initially taking on the, the budget for school resource officers or, or when that happened? Well, I think it originally started in the in the 90s. The federal government uh, created a big pool of grant money to uh, give out to school districts across the nation to better uh, secure them in the wake of uh, Columbine shooting. I would imagine that the Helena School District and the city commission probably saw that as an opportunity to um, to get their hands on some extra funding, and uh, and it's possible those grant dollars have. Uh, been decreased over the years, putting more and more of the burden on the city. And it's probably also worth noting that we at the Independent Record reported that the Helena PD was actually losing some funding by relinquishing the security of the, the Capitol building over to the Highway Patrol. So, so that's interesting. It's not a great time if you're the Helena Police Department to be hearing about any more possible funding cuts. Yeah, no kidding. It was announced back uh, earlier in, in January that the HPD was going to be losing out on uh, $155,000 with Capitol Police gig. So that's a pretty big loss to their uh, budget. And to add on to that, the nearly 300000 they could potentially lose from this SRO deal, I'm sure they're not very happy about that. 
Nolan, now that we've given, I guess, a, a tiny bit of background information, let's get into the, the two sides of the story and our interviews. Joining us on the line today is our guest, S.K. Rossi. Rossi is the Advocacy and Policy Director at ACLU Montana. Rossi, along with the ACLU, has helped bring people together who oppose the Helena Police Department, getting the $292,000 to help staff school resource officers. Rossi and the ACLU has helped those citizens of Helena have their voice heard and have also come out with their own research and report titled Discipline and Policing in Montana Schools. SK, thanks for joining us today. Would you mind just giving our listeners a brief small bio about yourself and maybe tell us what the ACLU of Montana does? My name is SK Rossi. I am the Director of Advocacy and Policy for the ACLU of Montana. The ACLU of Montana is a... um, old and storied civil rights organization. We're the oldest civil rights organization in the state coming up on near 30 years in Montana. In my position as the director of advocacy and policy, I uh, do quite a lot. We do a lot in the advocacy and policy department, everything from community organizing to um, legislative work to working with local governments on policies and ordinances to sitting on a multitude of coalitions that are issue-specific, ranging from um, criminal justice reform to reproductive rights to LGBTQ equality to immigration and refugee rights, etc. So let's just jump right into it. SK, if you would give me your boilerplate, your summary, your elevator pitch, your testimony as to why the city should reconsider funding and staffing area schools with school resource officers. Sure. That's a, that's a really big question. <laughs> and I, I think that the, the basic issue is that the way we have sort of expanded policing and the criminal legal system over the last really a one, about 100 years, more than that, probably 150 years, has not really led to uh, better outcomes or, or public safety. And I say that, and I know that's a very, I know that's a very uh, broad brush with which to paint something. But what we've seen is that the more policing expands, the more we incarcerate, the more our response to what I would view as public health issues like substance use disorder and mental health issues, the more we respond to those things with enforcement or policing, it hasn't proven to actually reduce those societal ills. So you've mentioned that you've seen, the ACLU has seen that school resource officers aren't effective within schools. I believe it was last year that the ACLU completed a report that was titled Discipline and Policing in Montana Schools. Can you talk about what some of that research has showed, what some of the research has found? What the research has started to show, and I'm happy to to cite some of that research here in a minute, is that the things that actually work the things that actually improve outcomes, especially for things like um, mental health issues or substance use disorder issues or other things that are not necessarily uh, criminal or violent in nature, um, the things that have proven to work are not police responses, are not enforcement responses, are not arrest or imprisonment or other forms of incarceration. The things that have been proven to work are evidence-based and are implemented by people and institutions and systems that are actually qualified to address them. And what I mean by that is when someone is experiencing a mental health crisis or someone is experiencing a substance use disorder issue and they're engaging behavior that may itself be criminal but is based in one of those issues, responding with a 
um, armed officer or responding with incarceration isn't going to necessarily um, solve or, or help that person or rehabilitate that person. What's going to help them is someone responding to them who is trained in mental health specific issues or trained in substance use disorder treatment. And to be quite frank, law enforcement is, is not trained in those specific field, at least not trained adequately. And when you're talking about SROs within the schools and what potential, as you're saying, inadequacies come with these officers or potential concerns that come with these officers, who is impacted by these inadequacies? I'm assuming that, you know, your claim is that the students themselves are impacted or... So when we talk about policing in schools, we have to consider and and be honest about the fact that the harms that policing can cause or the inadequacy of a police response in certain situations, that doesn't stop at the schoolhouse door. And the folks who are, um, the students who are being impacted by the presence of police in schools need to be considered just as much as people who are being impacted by policing outside of schools. When we talk about what works in the school system, and this is why I kind of explained to the um, city commission and I hope to the folks who were listening to the meetings, we're not asking for for a defunding of the Helena Police Department. That has never been a, a request that we have made. What we're asking for is that we kind of seize this moment where people are paying attention to the issues of policing. And I think these moments keep happening, right? Like we saw it after um, Rodney King was beaten in Los Angeles. We saw it after Michael Brown was killed in St. Louis. I mean, these these outpourings of interest in the issue of policing are not going to cease. And right now we're in one, again, because of the killing of George Floyd. And we have the opportunity to actually look at um, a local budget that has not been completely finalized yet and say, is what we're doing actually effective for the people we're trying to serve? And that's what we're asking the Helena City Commission to do. And the reason it was opportune for the ACLU to basically say, oh, we have an idea for you, is because we just did this enormous amount of research and publish a report on the issue of um, education equity in Montana. And we say education equity, we, we mean literally equitable access and success in the education system for um, students with disabilities, Black, Indigenous, and students of color. And what we found in that report was that Montana, while um, we don't have the number of Black, Indigenous, and um, people of color as other states or cities do, still suffers from the same issues, which is that Black, Indigenous, um, students of color, and students with disabilities are more likely to be suspended, expelled, have interactions with school resource officers, and be arrested in their school districts. And what we're asking the Helena City Commission to do is, is look at those findings and basically say, oh, um, according to the, the statistics and the data that these schools self-reported to the to the federal government, we didn't, the ACLU of Montana didn't come up with these statistics on our own. We use the data that is self-reported from these schools. Um, Helena has the same issues. The middle, Helena Middle School has more than double the average rate of referrals to law enforcement when compared to other middle schools in Montana. Helena High and Capitol High have three times the average rate of referrals to law enforcement when compared to other high schools. Helena Middle School is among the top 50 worst middle schools for rates of days lost. Native American students at Capitol and in High and Helena had more than five times the rate of days lost as white students. And Native American students at Helena High had more than four times the rate of days lost as white students. And in Helena, um, the detrimental impact of SROs, which can be seen not only across Montana, but across the country, also exists. And that detrimental impact is that school resource officers, when present, the schools that have them have um, lower success rates. 
And both middle schools and high schools in Helena have an SRO. And now we know that also that um, grade school in Helena with the most black, indigenous, and POC students also has an SRO. And the other grade schools do not. And I think that is very telling. And what would be your response to concerned parents or teachers or people just here in Helena who say that it's not just about stopping a potential violent act? You know, of course, that's something on everyone's mind, but it's also about behavioral interventions, mental health interventions, that SROs provide a valuable resource in just working with students or even intervening before something becomes violent, working with these students on things that you know might be bothering them at home or situations like that. If that is something that they want to do, if police officers want to... Um you know, work with students and get them support. There are any number of careers they can enter to do that, but don't put them in the school um, armed and in a uniform. And that's our concern is that the that while many students have had positive interactions with law enforcement, um, there are also any number of students who have had negative interactions with law enforcement, like you heard from um, that former student on the panel a couple weeks ago. What a terrible experience with law enforcement. And if the negative outcomes um, for students, which are shown to be the case in research, outweigh those like normal positive outcomes, I think that we should consider removing those officers from the schools. And by your own admission, the ACLU's research has shown that Helena area schools with SROs do have a two and sometimes three times higher of referral rate of students. A devil's advocate might say that shows that these school resource officers are of use and at a rate two and three times more than schools without them. Do you have any idea why it would be that these school resource officers are are being used that much at these schools? And are they being placed at these specific schools because they need to be there because the referral rates are higher? Well, I think the logical conclusion is that if you have a police officer who's essentially permanently based in a school, the inclination to refer students to that law enforcement is going to be higher than if you did not have a law enforcement officer just roaming the hallways of your school. So if if you are a school administrator or you're a teacher and you're faced with a behavioral issue and you can either find ways to address that behavioral issue within the staff of your current, within the current staff of your school. So the administrators, the teacher, whatever um, school counselors or psychologists are available, which frankly are very few and far between in the Helena School District, and that is very problematic. Um, you are more likely to try to resolve that issue with your current staffing um, if there isn't a law enforcement officer standing at the ready, you know, with the ability to essentially detain and arrest the student. So what is your position that you're saying to do with the $292,000, if not spend it on school resource officers? What we're saying is that if you have resources to spend, Spend them on things that actually improve outcomes instead of just staffing law enforcement to um, monitor the hallways of a school when you could, when that presence could be having a detrimental impact on students. And call law enforcement when you need them for something like violence or weapons possession and have them come address it at that time. And I know people are like worried about um, school shootings and that makes sense. I mean, who isn't worried about school shootings? But again, there has been no evidence presented or there has been no research that credibly shows that school
school resource officers reduce the number or chance of school shootings. School shootings have gone up in the country. They continue to be more frequent. And SROs have not stopped those school shootings. In fact, in some cases, the opposite has been true. And SROs have actually committed violence themselves against students. So we have to take all of that into consideration bring in law enforcement when it is absolutely necessary for an issue of violence or weapons possession or something similar, and otherwise resource the schools to have the kind of staff that actually improve outcomes. And what about the argument or the point of view that by not having school resource officers located at the schools, that the response time from the Helena City Police would just be too long if something catastrophic were to happen? You know, I actually haven't heard a parent or a teacher or even a school administrator or law enforcement say that the, the worry is that there would not be a quick enough response time. I heard the opposite, that, that the Helena Police Department is exceptionally capable, exceptionally dedicated, and will be there when they're needed. If they're called to a situation like that, um, that that would be, I think, an appropriate response. If there's a, if there's a student who has a weapon and is, is threatening to harm people, Yes, call law enforcement and have them respond to that incident of violence. The other thing to consider is that in a lot of cases, and you and you know this as a former teacher, I'm sure, and I'm sure that most education professionals know this, when there are incidents when students are um, acting out or becoming agitated, um, a lot of the time that has to do with, with um, adverse life experiences or something that is going on outside of school or possibly something that's going on inside of school. And my hope would be that there is a... Um, effort to staff people at the school, like I said, who are trained in behavioral issues for children, who are trained in de-escalation, um, and thoroughly trained. Like, I, I'm sorry that I don't, I don't think that one week's worth of SRO training for a law enforcement officer is enough to safely place them in a school and be tasked with um, addressing child behavioral issues. I just don't think that's enough. One of the things that was brought up was that these school resource officers, they offer more than the school something. They offer the community something. They help by making presentations that often involve law enforcement. They do that within the school. And they also volunteer within their community with things like sports and not-for-profit causes. And that by doing so, they're, they're putting out a positive point of view for people to have of the Helena Police Department and that that's important to do within a school and within your community. I guess in theory, anyone could also volunteer people patrol officers maybe who aren't SROs do you think that you know that there's a value in volunteering and and being a part of the community I mean I think you're exactly right <laughs> there are any number of ways and I, I appreciate that the Helena Police Department um, dedicates time and effort to making sure that officers are out in the community and getting to know the residents of Helena and um, engaging in volunteer opportunities and forming relationships, that's all absolutely important and will lead to, to more trust in law enforcement and relationships and better relationships with the community. And what about the concern and the anxiety about the quick turnaround that's being asked for this decision? Potentially, this could affect the school year. We don't know when schools will reopen, but traditionally that's late August, maybe early September. Do you understand the trepidation that both school districts and some parents have about eliminating SROs in such a short timeline? 
I understand the school district's anxiety. Um, I understand the parents' anxiety. And I feel for, honestly, anybody in the public education sector. I mean, public education needs to be better resourced. There needs to be better funding for um, the support staff that is needed to make schools function, not just at a baseline, but function well and actually increase positive outcomes for students. SK, before we close it out, was there anything of importance or anything that I might have missed that might also be worth mentioning? I don't think so. I mean, I think um, it's important to keep the conversation going. I appreciate you inviting me on, and I know you have plans to talk to um, from the police department. Um, I would just encourage you to, uh, you know, possibly reach out to the parent who was on the panel with me a couple weeks ago or get a perspective that is in- encouraging of, of removing SROs from the school district that is outside of the ACLU. <laughs> yes, hopefully we hear back from some of the other folks who we reached out to. SK, thanks so much for coming on the show, and I'm sure we will hear from you again in the future. Thanks. Yeah, Eric, thank you. Now on to our next guest. Brandon Wooten was kind enough to join us today. Wooten is a Helena police officer and is currently assigned as the SRO at Helena High School. He is also a board member on the Helena Police Protective Association. Brandon, if you would just introduce yourself to our listeners and and maybe give a brief bio about yourself. My name is Wooten. I work for the Helena Police Department. I am currently assigned as the primary SRO for Helena High School. I've been in law enforcement for just over seven years. I've been with the Helena Police Department for just under four. Um, It's important to note that what I say today is not the opinion of the Helena Police Department or the City of Helena. Rather, it's the opinion of the Helena Police Protective Association, of which I am a board member. Yes, thanks for being clear about that. It is important to note that Wooten is not speaking on behalf of the Helena Police Department. Rather, these are his own opinions, and he is speaking for the Helena Police Protective Association. Brandon, if you don't mind, we jump right into it. Just give our listeners a brief sort of summary on how you and the HPPA feel about the possible defunding of money that would go to school resource officers and anything else that's important about your position that our listeners might need to know. If you would just uh, sum that up. Sure, Eric. What I'd say to that point, um, speaking for the association, is that um, we're pretty disappointed with the city commission in terms of um, their view of the school resource officer positions. You know, we feel that Obviously, school resource officers are a vital part of the community, um, and that they do serve a great purpose. We would like the commission to really reconsider um, the reallocation of those funds. You know, we certainly understand that that you know there is funding necessary for mental health as well, and that and that lacks presently. Um, but we don't feel that it should come from the school resource officer budget. Now, we've heard from SK Rossi with the ACLU, and we've also heard from people here within the community who have the point of view that the nearly $300,000 in funding that the Helena Police Department gets could be put to better use if it were to be used for things like more counselors, possibly nurses, and just what they consider better staffing for areas within the school and staffing from what their research says is a better position for the positive outcome of any sort of troubled students. So I would say, Eric, that so just a little background, there is already mental health professionals embedded within the school district. Um, not only are they hired within the Helena Public Schools, but then they also outsource to Intermountain. And there are um, what, what they call the CSCT program um, is embedded in the schools. So I would say that obviously they're understaffed, but I think that the district has already put the emphasis on mental health. Um, and what I would say from the association standpoint is that those folks, those mental health professionals, work very closely with the SROs. 
um, to seek the best outcome for the students. So what you get from that is sort of a multidisciplinary approach um, to where the uh, mental health folks and law enforcement can work together to achieve, um, you know, the best outcome for the students. So actually, I feel that, and the union feels, that having that multidisciplinary approach is beneficial. Now, one of the data points and one of the claims in the ACLU of Montana's report is that school resource officers actually aren't effective because of the referral rate for students doubles and sometimes triples at schools that have SROs. And I also think some of the criticism comes from the point of view that with SROs in schools, teachers, staff, and, and possibly even the resource officers themselves are apt to write more referrals to students. What would be your position on that? And also, I'm wondering if the school resource officers are placed at schools that also have more problems and more referrals for that very reason, because in your opinion, they could be needed there and that the referrals have been a lot there for a long time, regardless of your presence there. So, Eric, I can answer that second part first, which I think will help preface the rest of it. No, um, we have four SROs and there's two. There's two for the high schools and two for the middle schools. And then, so there's one at Helena High, one at Capitol High, one at C.R. Anderson and one at Helena Middle. And then from there, the elementary schools without throughout the district are split up essentially east and west. So no, we're not placed at problem schools. We are based out of the high schools and the middle schools just because that's where, you know, the higher frequent or the, the frequency of call volume is. Um, and, and the, you know, the, the need to protect, um, you know, those bigger schools. So then the second part of your question was, do I think that students are over-referred to us? So, and I've read um, that ACLU study very thoroughly, and, and actually that's one of the things in the study that I found troubling was they say that, you know, the referrals are so much higher, but what they don't do is that they, they didn't define referral, at least not that I could find. And so what what's troubling to me about that is, is where are they getting those numbers, right? What does a referral look like? Does a referral mean a call to dispatch? Does a referral mean a phone call to the SRO from the principal saying, hey, can you come talk to this student? I, I hesitate to answer the question because I don't know what they mean. You know, if, if, if I don't know, if I had to speculate at what they meant by referrals, I would guess they just mean law enforcement contact. And I would say that I don't, I, I don't see anything with my experience as a school resource officer that indicates that, you know, the city of Helena would be any higher than any place else. You know, in some ways, how the city chooses to fund things is a bit over our head, but in other ways, it's not. Helena residents, and we are all taxpayers here within Helena. So I'm curious, just as, you know, a taxpayer, and since I have you here on the line with me, is there any pros and cons, or is there any benefit from the funding coming specifically from the city, or could the funding come from anywhere? The only thing I would say from that standpoint, and again, like you, you mentioned, Eric, this is kind of speaking over here in my head, but from what I understand of it is if the school district were to completely fund the school resource officers, that would then essentially put them in charge of us. That could be troublesome from a police department standpoint because, right, our boss is the chief of police. But if the city of Helena doesn't pay us, if the, if the school district completely subsides us, then I think there might be some issues in terms of, you know, who who is the ultimate decision maker. But from, from an SRO working in the school's perspective, I don't care who, who pays for it. I just think it needs to be, I just think it needs to be done. Obviously, there's two sides to every story and I guess possibly infinite sides. But I'm curious, what has the feedback been that you've received and what are you hearing from parents? You know, obviously, each side will hear certain things. But from your point of view as a school resource officer, what is 
the feedback that you've received about the possible defunding and with withholding of funds for the school resource officers? I mean, the, the thing I've gotten from it is that, you know, the, the city commission doesn't need to take our word for it. And what I mean when I say that is they don't need to ask the police officers if the police officers should be funded. Um, because, of course, like you said, there's two sides to every story. So, I mean, the police department or the police association is never going to advocate for lowering our budget. And for that reason, I, I, we would urge the commission not to ask us. We want them to ask the stakeholders. You know, I, I listened to, I listened, I participated in the last work session that this, the city commission had on the 9th, and really, um, I was overwhelmed by the support for our program. I would say that the biggest, the, the biggest stakeholder in, in this is the school district themselves when, you know, the superintendent, the principal of, the principal of all of the four big schools, uh, Trish Clock, the Bryant principal who spoke on behalf of the elementary schools, I think their support was resounding. The support came from administrators, from mental health professionals within the school, and that's another part that's important is the very people that, that, they're, that the commission is proposing takes our place are the ones saying that we're valuable. Obviously, we heard from the community, you know, just citizens in the community who spoke about, you know, past and present, who their students had interactions with the SROs and what positive interactions those were. In terms of the folks that, that, that spoke that said they had negative interactions with the SROs, you know, th those are things that obviously not, not every interaction is great, and police officers are humans, SROs are humans, and sometimes interactions just don't go well. And, and for those folks, you know, we, we do apologize for that. Um, at the end of the day, this is a customer service-driven business, and, and if we failed somebody, we should take ownership of it. And what about the criticism that the SROs aren't actually properly trained to be doing some of the things that they're doing at the schools, whether it's mental health counseling or crisis intervention? And along with that criticism is that any police officer, a patrolman or, or SRO, anyone can volunteer within their community and, and help put a good face on the Helena Police Department. It seems like that was a key point and, and some of maybe a, a bonus as to what the school resource officers can do. They can help with community outreach and they can also help with community relations, especially when it comes to young folks or students in these schools. I think that is a, a fair criticism that, you know, obviously any police officer can volunteer his time, whether it be for a nonprofit or for sports or, or things like that? So the answer to that is, is, is very multifaceted. The, the, the SRO is really three things. You're an informal counselor, an educator, and a police officer. So those are the three hats that you wear within the school. You know, obviously, we provide on-site protection for students and staff, but that's not what, that, that's not the, I guess that's the biggest reason we're there, but it's the very small piece of what we actually do. You know, we, I mean, th there was one instance this year at Helena High School where a student attempted to, you know, hit an administrator with a heavy metal chair. I was there. I was able to, you know, stop the student from assaulting the principal. But, but those things are the rare things. What, what we see most often, you know, students constantly coming into our offices, talking about their lives, talking about what they want to do going forward, just using us as kind of a sounding board. One of the things, and to answer your question is what's the difference when people say, well, anybody could do that. I completely disagree with that. The difference between an SRO and a patrol officer is investment. I go into that school every single day. I know the students. I know the staff. I do coach football at the school. So I, I do interact with the school even outside of my law enforcement capacity. So when something occurs there, I take it as almost that these kids are my kids, right? I'm a parent. And so it, it, I view my role as when when parents send their kids to school, 
They expect them to be educated and they expect them to be safe. Really, I have a role in both of those. You know, we wear our uniform, we wear our gun belt, we do all those things. But at the end of the day, once the kids get to know you, they really, they don't even see those things, right? You're just another, you're just another uh, staff member of the school that they know at the end of the day can protect them if something bad happens. As we wrap up, I, I can't help but but ask, has there been anything in, in your point of view or, or even from the point of view of the association that was a good idea or maybe improvements that can be made, you know, if and or when the school resource officers are to receive this money? Has anything good come out of this ordeal, whether it be ideas or improvements? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so one of the things that, that, that I'd like to tell you is, you know, one of the claims is that SROs are, are there just to criminalize the youth and that, you know, the school to prison pipeline and, and all those, those that rhetoric that um, essentially that the SROs want to, to criminally charge kids. One of the things that I want the community to know is that we, you know, an, another SRO and I were, were sitting around talking earlier this year and we said, you know, one of the, the practices of, of um, how it works in the school district is say a student's caught with tobacco. The, the principal, the administrator will call the SRO the SRO, you know, typically will issue a citation for the the tobacco violation. What also happens is that the student then, the student and their family, then have to uh, register for a class through Intermountain for, essentially, it's a substance abuse class. And that class costs the family or the student $100 to complete. The other SRO and I were talking about it, and we said, you know, why why do we have to be so involved with a tobacco violation? Why is that something that requires a police response? So the more we talked about it, the more we, the, the conclusion we came to is that if it's the first time a student's ever been caught with tobacco, really the SRO has no need to know about it because it's one of those things that let the school handle it the way they will and keep them out of the, the criminal justice system, right? Let's not write them a citation. And the other thing we said was, you know, a lot of these families, $100 is a lot of money. A lot of these families don't have $100 to, you know, to, for their child to attend this class. And so one of the things we said is, you know, we, we have, I'm, you know, through the Digital Futures Initiative, I can teach on the topic of substance abuse and things like that. And so we said, you know, let's get rid of this Intermountain thing that costs the students $100 and let's teach it ourselves. And so any student that gets caught once a month, we have a, you know, a, a, a class on substance abuse prevention and things like that. It's free to the family and, you know, the SROs just teach it as part of their, as part of their jobs. And we're, we're eliminating a citation and we're also saving a family $100. We took that, that proposal to um, the administrators of both Capitol High and Helena High, and both administrators agreed with us that, you know, that that was a good step forward um, to even further reducing, you know, the, the criminalization of the kids. Brandon, is there anything else that you think is important to share or even maybe something that I missed that you would like our listeners to know? Well, so there's just one, there's probably one other thing um, for certain that I'd like to speak on. I, I'm sure you tuned in to the, to the meeting on the 9th. Right towards the end of the meeting, it was asked if law enforcement responds, if, if school resource officers respond most to Bryant Elementary in terms of the elementary schools. And the answer to that was yes. And then it was pointed out that Bryant has the highest percentage of minority students in the district. And the conversation was left at that. Um, sort of, you know, going in line with the ACLU's theory that, that minority students are unfairly targeted by school resource officers. And one of the things I'd like to point out is that Bryant Elementary is right across from Helena High. And so I respond, I'm the most frequent responding officer to Bryant. And then the officer who works out of Helena Middle School, he and I essentially are Bryant's SROs. I spoke with him after that that discussion. And, you know, I, I know personally that I had not written a single criminal citation at Bryant Elementary 
uh, in this school year, and I asked him if he had, and he hadn't either. To to say that because we respond to Bryant the most, and because it has the highest percentage of minority students, therefore indicates that we, you know, over-criminalized them. Um, I just want to point out that that's categorically false. Uh, we didn't write a single citation to any student at Bryant Elementary School this this school year. One of the things that, and one of the reasons behind that, Eric, is writing a criminal citation to an elementary school student is almost, and I never speak in, in you know certainties, but is almost never the correct answer. The idea is get the students, they're having, you know, if they're, I mean, particularly at Bryant Elementary, you know, the principal there herself has was assaulted multiple times this year by students um, who were in a fit of rage. But those students weren't written citations. They weren't arrested. They were referred to mental health resources within the school system. Um, we responded to quell the disturbance. But beyond that, we don't, you know, we have no interest in, in criminalizing those students. All right, Brandon, thanks for sharing that. I really do appreciate you coming on the show today and and sharing your point of view. I may reach out again if the story develops further, but I I do thank you for for coming on the show and presenting your point of view and the the point of view of the Helena Police Association. Thanks, Brandon. Yeah, thank you. I appreciate you reaching out to us and allowing us to speak on it. The Above the Fold podcast would like to thank everyone who has participated in this week's podcast. We understand that it is a sensitive topic and we do appreciate everyone who did reach out to several different people representing several different areas of the community, but unfortunately we weren't able to reach everyone. All right, that was our latest episode of the Independent Records Above the Fold podcast, a show that takes a deeper look at a Helena area story of importance or of interest. I'm Eric Seidel. And I'm Nolan Lister. Be sure to check back regularly for our episodes. Don't forget you can subscribe to Above the Fold wherever you listen to podcasts, and you'll receive updates automatically when our latest episode is out. You can rate and review us on Apple Podcasts, and that really helps us out. We appreciate you listening. If you want more information on any of our local stories, go to our website at HelenaIR.com or follow us on any of our social media pages. We'll see you next time. Thanks.